Blog Talk Radio. The opinions and views expressed by the host and guest are not necessarily the views and opinions of the Blake Radio Network. Broadcasting, broadcasting, broadcasting to the world, broadcasting to the world, to the world, to the world, spreading the news and information. BlakeRadio.com, music for your mind, body, and soul. Talk radio at its best. You're listening to Rainbow Soul from BlakeRadio.com. show of the new year. It is hospital-acquired infections, not just antibiotics. Today, I'm going to talk about non-antibiotic drugs. Yep, your doctor prescribes, you got it according to the standard of care, that makes these infections flourish and other factors as well that affect your risk. Now, this is from the medical industrial complex itself. It's not some alternative medical you know, website or whatever. This is from Medscape, Family Medicine, International Authority, Information Authority for Doctors. And so your doctor, his family practice, got this in his mailbox. I know because I'm on the list. I get it in my mailbox too. Now we were told, when I say we, I mean doctors and patients, that um, serious um, hospital-acquired infections with resistant antibiotics is due to, well, excessive antibiotic use. We now know it's not due to excessive antibiotic use, it's due to antibiotic use. In other words, whenever an antibiotic is used, appropriately or not, there's a risk of a resistant infection and the risk of death. So um, it is not inappropriate antibiotic use, but simply antibiotic use. All right. So let's take a look. This was uh, published December 29, 2017, so um, about, you know, less, than, less than a month ago, in fact, less than three weeks ago. And so they say, risk factors for hospital onset C. difficile identified. So they actually did a study to take a look at this. And this article was published on December 20th in uh, Clinical Infectious Diseases. So the infectious disease experts now um, understand. So they found that third and fourth generation cephalosporins, this is a class of antibiotics, carbapenems, metronidazole, which is flagell, piperacillin, all increase the risk for clostridium difficile infection. 
However, the risks are up with the use of clindamycin, macrolides, and tetracyclines. Now, what you need to know, of course, <coughs> is that clindamycin, macrolides, and tetracyclines as antibiotics are, well, less effective. Um, in fact, when I was in, in clinical practice, I stopped using tetracyclines. Why? They just kill your teeth. They can cause kidney failure. And you have to take them four times a day, often for weeks on end. So tetracyclines are not very effective antibiotics. In fact, um, I would just cross them off. I did. As a doctor, I just crossed them off my list. There's no point in prescribing them. Clindamycin is very interesting because I was taught in medical school back in 1979 to 1983 that clindamycin increased C. difficile infection rates. And um, now we're finding it's just the opposite clindamycin. This is what you're saying. Clindamycin reduces C. difficile infection rates. Now, since I practice medicine and I have experience with clindamycin, having prescribed it many times, I can tell you that it did, in my observation, create C. difficile infections. So now they're presenting uh, research, <coughs> we'll call it hearsay, which is different from my observation. All right. So, of course, the clindamycin findings are somewhat surprising because it was clindamycin classified as a high-risk development for clostridium difficile. This is what they're saying. The same thing that I observed, actually, in medical practice. Now, why would they call it somewhat surprising? I think it's darn surprising, darn surprising um, that the research findings are totally at odds. So who knows? Maybe the clindamycin people chipped in some money to help with the research. Um, and so I think maybe due to reduced use of clindamycin over time. Well, the methods of counting should um, allow for that, but we won't bother with that. And so the results suggesting a powerful protective effect from tetracycline and macrolides. Again, tetracycline and macrolides are fairly ineffective antibiotics. Um, you know, if someone's paying me cash, I would not recommend tetracycline or a macrolide because I know that their chances of getting better are way decreased. And that's if I was a doctor that prescribed antibiotics. So back when I was in practice, I had a cash practice. I had never, not once, prescribed tetracycline or a macrolide. For that reason, my patients were paying me way too much money to subject them to that level of ineffectiveness. <clears throat> Let's go back to the study, though, and what they found in terms of factors that made it more likely that you're going to get C. difficile and hence die during your hospital stay. All right, so they analyzed data from all 1.2 million adults 18 years and older discharged from any of 150 hospitals in the Hospital Corporation of America's hospitals between October 1st, 2015 and September 2016, so more or less a year. The researchers are focused on hospital onset infections. So, so they focus on people who, who came to the hospital healthy, or at least without Clostridium difficile, and got Clostridium difficile. And so um, they focus on just what you want to know. If I come to the hospital healthy without C. difficile, what can I do to 
to influence my chances of, of getting it. And they looked at patients' demographics, that means like, um, you know, where they live and uh, race or whatever, medication. And what they found was two classes of medication associated with clostridium difficile infection, acid suppressing, acid protecting medications, and antibiotics. And so this is this is this is a this is really news that a drug that's not an antibiotic can actually increase your chances of getting an antibiotic resistant um, infection. So what they found was overall in their study, less than one percent of patients had a hospital onset of Clostridium difficile infection. 0.37 percent, and so. This is hospital onset. So if the person got it before they came to the hospital, they were transferred from another hospital. So a lot of the infections were not counted. At any rate, the ones they did count was 0.37%. So we can extrapolate this that it would be the same percentage of a bigger number if the number was big. All right. So on average, patients with this deadly infection were more likely to be admitted from a long-term acute care at a nursing home and have a higher case mix index, that means uh, severity of diseases, and more days in intensive care. Now, this is something I've, I've commented on before, that just being in the intensive care unit raises your death rate to 15%. That's it. Just being there. And so a lot of things happen in the intensive care unit that are extremely unhealthy. And so the people who got the infections took antibiotics longer, um, had tended to have diabetes, Crohn's disease, or ulcerative colitis, I mean some type of intestinal problem. And for each additional year in age, the patient's risk increased by half a percent. And women had 1.2 times greater odds of an infection than men. By the way, they did not count um, infections in pregnant ladies. Now, patients receiving proton pump inhibitors um, had an increase in incidence of this uh, deadly infection. And so, uh, just by the way, clostridium difficile infection, death rate 30 days after diagnosis varied from 10% or 9% to 38%. That's a lot of deaths. Yeah. And in hospital death rate is anywhere from eight percent to thirty seven percent. So um if you get clostridium difficile infection, your chance of dying is who cares if you die in the hospital thirty days later, is basically anywhere from um twenty three percent to 80% death rate. That's a lot of deaths. All right, so what we're talking about is doctors are prescribing a drug that literally increases your chances of getting into this 23% to 80% death probability pool. Okay, so here's the deal. 
the person gets proton pump inhibitors with 44% greater chance of developing a hospital onset clustering difficile infection. So proton pump inhibitors shut off the stomach's acid-producing mechanisms and create an alkaline situation in the stomach. Um, the stomach likes the pH of somewhere around 1.6. That's pretty acid. And so when you cut off the proton pump, which is your body's mechanism for making acid and for creating this preferred pH in the stomach, then the chances of getting this deadly infection is 44% greater. And so if it's 44% greater than your chance of death, using our 23 to 80% model, is anywhere from 8% greater to um, 38% greater than had you not gotten the infection. That's devastating. Now, if you receive, uh, so what's a proton pump inhibitor? Uh, there's a, uh, there's a list. Okay. Prilosec, Prevacid, Protonix, and Asifex. Those are out when I was in practice. And since then, there's two more. They have the nerve to put aspirin with a proton pump inhibitor, which increases your chances of bleeding. Um, that's called Yosprala. And then there's um, another proton pump inhibitor called Dexalent. Okay, so those are all the proton pump inhibitors. Oh, oh wait, there's more. Um, now we've uh, <coughs> the other ones are are, are combinations. So omeprazole, which is Zegarid, and Vimovo, which is a proton pump inhibitor plus naproxen. All right. So they got all kinds of ways to help you drop dead here. All right. So, H2 antagonists, things like uh, Tagamet, Cimetidine, only increase rate by 13% as opposed to 44%, but still increase odds. And those are to be sucrophate. And sucrophate is a, um, material that you drink, and it coats your stomach. And that's the way it's supposed to heal ulcers. But, if you're taking sucrophate and you enter a hospital, your chance of getting an infection with a 23 to 80% chance of killing you increases by 37%. That is astounding. <laughs> um, antibiotics, so that's the non, these are non-antibiotics, right? Proton pump inhibitors, antagonists. These are all medicines used for simple indigestion. Uh, let me remind you, indigestion is not a deadly condition. And so these medications, which are used for a non-deadly, we'll call it harmless condition, cause death through the mechanism of creating an increased risk of clostridia of difficile infection. All right. So you have a non-deadly situation, and you use a deadly medication for it. A definite recipe for increased death. Now, what about antibiotics? So... Everybody knows 
that antibiotic use <coughs> causes increased chance of antibiotic-resistant infections. So which antibiotics are worse? Uh, carbapenems, metronidazole, piperacillin, and they increase the odds from 1.2 times as much to 2.2 times. I mean, you're talking about doubling the odds. And patients receiving two or more different antibiotics have 1.6 greater odds of infection. So this is uh, this is this, this is shocking. And so literally, uh, the doctor increases your chances of death just by giving you two antibiotics. And I can tell you, when I was in residency and medical school, triple antibiotic therapy was the standard of care. Someone came in the hospital, oh, triple antibiotic therapy, because we don't know what it is, want to make sure we cover everything, triple antibiotic therapy. And now they find that just double antibiotic therapy increases the person's chance of getting a deadly infection by 1.65, really by 65%, hence their chances of infection, uh, you know, by 12%. Uh, to 50 percent, or chances of death rather, chance of death increases from 12 to 50 percent in that range. Uh, so meanwhile, patients had lower risk of infection if they were receiving tetracycline ineffective, macrolides ineffective, or clindamycin. Uh, question mark. The clindamycin gets rip roaring, painful diarrhea. I uh, I stopped using it, and I would not use it on. He's my worst enemy because it's just so painful. It's like torture. All right. Further, the combination of proton pump inhibitors with fluoroquinolones, read Cipro, or third-generation cephalosporins or fourth-generation cephalosporins, clindamycin or carbapenem, didn't really alter the, the um, odds. So if you put these proton pump inhibitors with a fluoroquinolone, which, by the way, dissolves tendons, and interferes with your ability to walk, for example. Um, with third-generation cephalosporins, fourth-generation cephalosporins, orthonomycin, or carbapenem, wasn't really any big change. And its later finding contradicted the results of prior meta-analysis. Meta-analysis is when they combine the results of existing studies but don't do an independent study themselves. And so a meta-analysis is essentially an armchair research. In other words, no one went out and counted anything. They just said, well, I want to look at what, what other people wrote. And so meta-analysis are generally not that, in my opinion, not that reliable. Because it mixes uh, research that may be uh, unreliable and erroneous with research that's reliable and really just have a meaningless stuff. So the use of proton pump inhibitors and antibiotics together lead to an increased greater risk than proton pump inhibitors alone. And they said that is true for certain antibiotics. All right. Um, so they, they go on to say, well, you know, we didn't look at uh, if the patients were taking probiotics, what the dose was, exposure duration, what their lifestyle factors were, prior hospital or medication use. And that's okay. Um, I think the study has pretty much provided a tremendous amount of information. That information being that just by putting you on a medication for a harmless condition, 
your doctor puts you at risk for uh, death and dismemberment. Now, proton pump inhibitors, you could overlook this if proton pump inhibitors were otherwise safe. What do I mean by otherwise safe? So I was in medicine, practicing medicine, back when proton pump inhibitors first came out. They said, oh, man, this is awesome. This shuts down the acid in the stomach and will heal up ulcers. This is so cool. But in rats, these drugs cause tumors at eight weeks. Not tumors, cancer. So I said to myself, wait a minute. Why do you do animal studies? If the animal study says it's not safe, then why was this drug even approved by the FDA? But the FDA knew at the time the drug was prescribed that based on animal studies, it caused cancer. The proton pump inhibitors, it's a class of drug that causes these effects. So proton pump inhibitors were rolled out to the doctors and they said, don't worry about those animal studies. You're a hum- these are humans, not rats that you're prescribing to. And so... Um, promptly, what was then discovered in the next year or two or three, was that taking proton pump inhibitors increased the chances of getting esophageal cancer sevenfold. So we have these drugs that are clearly dangerous, as proven by animal studies, nevertheless approved for sale by the FDA, and then found to be associated with increase of esophageal cancer. Ah, not recall, no problem. But then they find, oops, proton pump inhibitors cause kidney failure. Uh, read that dialysis. No problem. They're still on the market. In fact, proton pump inhibitors are over the counter. How about that? Yeah. Proton pump inhibitors are over the counter, giving people, of course, the impression that they're, well, safer than ever. Let's see which proton pump inhibitors are on the counter. <coughs> mm, three of them. Prilosec, Prevacid, and Ziggurid. They're all over the counter. So you can be taking this over the counter. You don't even realize it. You get an infection, go to the hospital, and your chances of getting close of dying, dropping dead, literally, are you know somewhere in the range of increases to... 12% to 50% because you're taking this over-the-counter drug for a harmless condition called indigestion. What's the cure for indigestion? Usually, if you just skip breakfast, that'll handle it. Or you could have more bowel movements. That's another way of handling it. Neither one of these, skipping breakfast or having more bowel movements, is deadly. But these proton pump inhibitors are definitely deadly. And this is what causes over 880,000 Americans to die every year from properly prescribed medications because deadly medicines, medicines that cause death, are being prescribed for medical conditions that would never have resulted in death. And this is something um, that is, according to the standard of care, well, quite okay. 
quite okay. No problem. Uh, so proton pump inhibitors have just been responsible for incredible amounts of problems. Why might that be? Well, if the pH in the stomach is preferred to be 1.6, and then the body stops making acid and can't maintain that pH, then the pH rises and the stomach becomes alkaline. When the stomach becomes alkaline, parasites that enter the stomach do not die. And actually, the stomach pH only has to rise above 4. And then these parasites, uh, bacteria, worms, viruses, you name it, they just tromp right through. They go to the vital organs, they go to the joints and cause arthritis, and um, this causes death. <coughs> the other thing that happens is when the stomach pH is not maintained, then good bacteria that would be helpful cannot thrive. Their activity is suppressed. And so you, you develop an environment in the stomach and the small intestine that is not consistent with good health. In fact, not even consistent with life. That's a problem. Now, this also happens with another um, agent that raises the stomach pH, which would be alkaline water. A similar uh, parallel situation uh, takes place. So, what is a lady to do? What is a responsible thinking adult supposed to do? Answer. No more proton pump inhibitors. Don't you buy it yourself over the counter. If your doctor gives you a prescription for it, don't fill it. Just do not, as Nancy Reagan would say, just say no to drugs. Still like to this one, the proton pump inhibitors are very, very bad actors. So if you don't take a proton pump inhibitor, what are you supposed to do? What are you supposed to do? So you have indigestion, let's say, gas. Then what you do is increase your water intake. This is known to actually cure ulcers. They actually did a study in, in the... Uh, early 80s, that if a person drank two liters of water a day, that would cure their ulcer. Now, a lot of ulcers are caused by H. pylori, but what they don't tell you is H. pylori is a contaminant of drinking water. That means the water that comes out of your faucet contains H. pylori. That's where it comes from. <coughs> then they treat it like it's a big mystery. So for Christ's sake, filter your water. Get a distiller. Get a reverse osmosis filter. No more, no more H. pylori in your water, no more problems. No more ulcers. So you can, you can filter your water and drink two liters of water a day. But there are simple herbs. In fact, friggin' household spices. Fennel seed is my favorite. And you just take a spoonful, chew it, swallow it. Take a spoonful, chew it, and swallow it. You can eat up to one or two cups a day. And that gets rid of indigestion, gastroesophageal reflux. And guess what? It's harmless. Yep, harmless. Doesn't change the pH of the stomach. <coughs> and best of all, it doesn't even kill you. How about that? Way, way cool. Um, the other thing that helps is having more bowel movements. 
If you have more bowel movements, it moves things out of the intestines into the toilet, decompresses your system, and you don't get reflux, and you don't get indigestion. Of course, one way to get more bowel movements is Vitality Capsules. You can go to vitalitycapsules.com and get those. But the point here is you do not want to use a deadly drug to treat a harmless condition. That is such an important concept that uh, you, you don't don't want to let that slip by. So hospital-acquired infections, yes, they're deadly. Major contributing factor, proton pump inhibitors, using more than one antibiotic at a time. And the thing is, it's never necessary to use more than one antibiotic because, hospital will tell you, Oh, we took a culture. Why'd you take a culture? To find out which, that means one, which antibiotic is going to be effective. And so people received, again, this is when I was training, triple antibiotics um, when the doctor didn't know what's wrong with them. Of course. I said, oh, we don't know what's wrong with you, so we're just going to go ahead and kill you. Well, that's nonsense. It doesn't make any sense. It's not helping anybody. So the big deal here is to understand that by taking a harmless medication, proton pump inhibitor, you increase your chances of dying in the hospital tremendously. <coughs> a hand sanitizer won't save you. Hand sanitizer has never had anything to do with the problem anyway. Uh, but the real deal is to decrease the number and amount of drugs that you take. Uh, proton pump inhibitors, problem. Sucrophate, problem. We just see if sucrophate is over the counter as well. It's been around many decades now. Yep. It says here. Can you buy sucrophate over the counter? Answer. Ah, no, you cannot. Thank God. So your doctor will prescribe sucrophate for you, but the answer is just say no. No, thank you. Or just accept the prescription and then don't get it filled. And this is important. People need to develop the ability to um, the ability to just say no. The ability to um, refuse a medication, um, even though it may be recommended by uh, an authority figure. And a lot of times, people uh, receive a prescription and they maybe they go get it filled. They don't realize that they are making a life and death decision. And this is kind of like the one-two punch. First, you get the trivial decision. Oh, take this proton pump inhibitor. Oh, just take uh, sucrophate. You say, oh, okay, that's fine. Sounds good. And then oh, you have to be you have to be hospitalized. And then um, 
boom, you've made two consecutive decisions that lead to death. And each decision you regarded as a positive life-affirming decision when actually you've made a decision to uh, end your life. All right, if people have questions and they're on the line, they can uh, click the button or they can call in, the call in number, 914-338-0695 with a few more minutes for questions. We have questions. Okay, let's go to our chat room. Oh, our chat room is healingwithdrdaniels.chatango.com. Healingwithdrdaniels.chatango.com. All right. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay. Look over here. We have about ten minutes to go. So I'd like to tell people to definitely tune in. Um, the next three episodes we'll be talking about my trip to India, and uh, a lot happened there. And uh, I'll be talking about those things. But again, this is this is the way people are are sucked in and unwittingly become accomplices in their own demise. They make a series of seemingly innocuous decisions that lead to a decision to allow themselves to be killed. And remember, this is not murder. It is not murder because. It's the standard of care. It's not murder because people carrying it out have special permission from the government to do these things. Therefore, they're allowed. That's what licensure means. Licensure is special permission to do something that would otherwise be criminal, crime, if you did not have a license. So in the case of doctors who are licensed, hospitals who are licensed, nurses who are licensed, they have special permission to kill you by using drugs like proton pump inhibitors and cerebral fate. The special permission is given by license and also by the FDA approving these drugs as safe and effective. With the proton pump inhibitors, there's now a preponderance, I mean an overwhelming amount of evidence, indicating that um, they are absolutely not safe. In fact, I would say there's no evidence that proton pump inhibitors are safe. None, whatever. So um, that's what you have to do. You've got to take it upon yourself to make decisions that may be at odds with experts, but may end up in saving your life. And there is no doubt about it that in the area of hospital-acquired infections, the only way to save your life is to... uh, The only way to save your life is to say no. And Nancy Reagan definitely had it right. You know, there are people who laughed at her, but she got it right. You just have to say no. If someone asks 
Dr. Daniels, are you going to have an RBN show again? Yes. The RBN show is starting on Sunday from 11 a.m. to 2 p.m. Eastern Time. Yes, it is a three-hour show. I told him, I said, well, I think I only need two hours, but I'm working on it. I think we're going to fill the three hours this weekend. <coughs> okay. Hmm. <laughs> All right. So this person says, they have three blisters on their toes. Two of them are healed, and one is a black scab. The easiest way, to, there's a couple options here. Um, I think the gentler way is to get a bread pan, put um, castor oil in it, and put your foot in it that has the blisters. And um, soak it in the castor oil for about an hour. You can soak it for more if you want to. Um, but this will... Um, detoxify the blisters, and help the scab heal as well. Now, why did you get this problem? Well, probably maybe poor-fitting shoes, in which case stop wearing shoes for a while, but if you're in the very frigid, cold northeast, wear boots and get them an extra size larger. So say it's not your shoes. It could be your circulation, in which case you can take uh, turmeric and cayenne pepper, mix equal amounts, of these two, and one teaspoon in water, and just um, down the hatch once or twice a day. All right, let's go back to the. Uh, okay. All right. This one wants to know Am I an Ayurvedic expert now? I think so. I'm going to share everything I know on my Sunday shows. And what else is there to know? Uh, really, the only thing you can do is to say no. Both will say, oh, Dr. Daniels, there need to be a congressional investigation. No, it doesn't. Some, uh, there's nothing to investigate. It's like investigating a waterfall. If the waterfall is there, it's a natural hazard. You simply avoid it or determine how you're going to interact with it. Um, and some people will say, oh, there needs to be prosecution. Somebody's responsible. Heads will roll. No. Uh, each person involved in this whole process <coughs> is acting under duress. If the doctor doesn't prescribe deadly medications to you, he loses his license. Uh, you know, if the congressman doesn't approve it, uh, you know, he's threatened with who knows what and has uh, penalties. So really the only one in the situation that has free will is you. And you're the one that has to take whatever action you deem appropriate to save yourself. I would recommend um, saying no to drugs. But let's just say you don't have that discipline. At least drop your health insurance. These drugs are not cheap. They're very expensive. At least you won't be able to afford to, to cooperate with your own death. Um, so the... So drop your health insurance if you don't have the discipline to say no. But dropping your health insurance is going to make you a lot wealthier too. So that's not actually a bad idea. Um, but the important thing is not to put yourself in a position to be uh, to be treated like this. So you've got to take it upon yourself to make decisions that are in your best interest. 
um, delegating this to other people uh, will not work and um, has never worked. That's like the shepherd guarding the sheep. The shepherd guards the sheep so he can eat the sheep instead of the wolf eating the sheep. But guess what? The sheep are equally dead, whether they're eaten by the wolf or by the shepherd boy and his family. So this is the situation that you are in when you enter into the health care system. Um, the question is not will you get harmed. The question is how you'll get harmed. And the only protection you have is to exercise your abilities as an adult and say, you know what? I don't think we'll be doing this today. Okay. That is it. That is the end of today's episode. Remember, hospital-acquired infection is not just about the antibiotics. Nope, there's the setup and the slaughter. Don't let it happen to you. And check out uh, vitalitycapsules.com and get your free report, uh, Candida Cleaner. Okie doke. This is Dr. Daniels signing off. And, of course, think 